0: Hi there, I'm Jen Blandos, the founder of Female Fusion. I've been an entrepreneur for over 20 years with experience in building seven-figure businesses and working around the world. Originally, I'm from Canada, but I've been living in Dubai for the past 14 years. I've created this podcast to share my insights and expertise as a global entrepreneur and help other women start, build, grow, and scale their businesses. You'll also hear from some of the world's top experts and female entrepreneurs who will inspire and motivate you to achieve your business goals. So join me as we explore all that the world has to offer and build the business of your dreams. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Women on the Rise and today I'm so excited for our podcast that we have the incredible Jamie Abbott who is a PR and public speaking expert from Australia and I've known Jamie for a couple of years and I'm so excited to have her on the podcast today because she is such an expert when it comes to PR and public speaking that we're going to get so much
1: value from today's episode. Welcome Jamie. Hi, Jan. Thanks so much for having me on today. I'm really grateful. Yeah, I'm so pleased to, um, to bring you
0: to the Female Fusion audience and to share your story. Before we jump in, maybe you could tell everybody a little bit about you and about some of the work that you're doing.
1: Yeah, sure. So I have a background in media. Media, military and politics actually is my background. So I started out as a journalist. I was a TV and radio journalist for a number of years. I then dabbled in politics. So I worked for a federal member of parliament here in Australia. And then during that year, I joined the Air Force. So the Royal Australian Air Force as a PR officer. This was Oh, back in, it was 17 years ago, I have to think back what it was now, um, 2007, I joined the military and then I went to Afghanistan um, a couple of years later, spent uh, six months in Afghanistan, deployed, where I was a media trainer uh, for headquarters ISAF in the capital of Afghanistan called Kabul. And uh, came back. I've run for politics myself. I've run for federal, state, local politics. Got elected as a local politician, a local councillor. And uh, it was there I made lots of mistakes. So, as a public speaking, person myself in a media spokesperson I would either sink or swim sometimes I would nail my message other times I wouldn't quite master it and so I bottled up all those lessons learned and I set up my own media training and public speaking training company it's now been going for 10 years and in the last couple of years I started charging to speak and so I would often speak for $500 Australian. So maybe 300 US um, equivalent. And then probably up to about 800 US, I would start charging. And that was about it. And it was about 18 months ago now, a bit longer. It was December 2021, where I was asked to speak for a corporate client. And I literally had no time in my schedule to do it. And so I quoted the client 30000 Australian dollars. So what's that, $20,000 US? 20K, uh, for a, yeah. Full, yeah, for a full day. And uh, I knew full well that that, that was probably six times what I normally would charge a corporate client for a full day and they accepted the quote and it was kind of a real landmark moment for me because I realized that I had been undercharging all these years and then telling my clients to undercharge as well. So I did that gig and then I created a course showing other people how they can become a paid speaker and it took me five months to put it together and I've now launched it three times in the last year and about 102 people have gone through the course and and I'm really proud to say they are now earning 10,000 Australian, uh, so, you know, 7,000 US uh, per gig, um, which I'm really, really proud of. That's amazing. And uh, we're going to dive into the getting paid to speak because this is something
0: that I hear a lot from entrepreneurs as well that they feel under appreciated and undervalued that they're asked to speak at a lot of events and they aren't getting paid for that time so we'll we'll share your top tips on that I love hearing your story I didn't know all of that story and it's so interesting that even you and I have a lot of similarities as well. You know, I had a media training, public speaking training company as well in London and Dubai and, and Brussels. And it's so interesting being involved in that space and working with people to help them be better speakers or to deliver media interviews. And it's funny how you're saying as well that you're you you were training everybody else how to do it, but then when you were doing it on the other side, you know, making some of those mistakes, because it is it is so much pressure sometimes when you are doing the speaking and you are giving the interviews as well.
1: Mm, Absolutely. Yeah, it is. And I think um, it makes me a better trainer. You know, when I was in Afghanistan, which was 10 years ago, over 10 years ago now, I was pretty aggressive as far as my training style, because I'd only ever been on this side of the camera, the side that asks the questions. And so for me, it was frustrating as a journalist to see people really struggle to get their message out there. And then I became this trainer and I used to say, it's easy, just stick to these messages, you know. And then when I became a politician straight on the back of that and I was starting to get up on big stages and do national TV live interviews, I realised, okay, it's not as easy (laughs) as I thought being on this side. And I feel that that really makes me a better trainer having Now, no, I know what journalists are after because that's what I trained for many years as and worked for many years as, but I also know it is hard when you've got a camera in front of you or when you've got a live audience asking any sort of question of you, it's not that easy. And so I'm really grateful to have had that experience for many years being a spokesperson because I can really see things from, from all sides.
0: Yeah, I mean, incredible value that you can offer to your clients that you do have the, the both sides. And I've seen as well, even for things like um, a lot of times media trainers, if they haven't had that experience of understanding what it's like to be in front of the camera, behind the camera, and also as well, the strategic communication piece and understanding the messages, can it can be quite hard. So I mean, what an amazing value that you can offer to your clients for that. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. Um, Question that I have for you about, and I'm sure you get asked this a lot, and I I get asked this as well by, by our members. What would you say makes somebody a good public speaker?
1: I think it's someone who, two main things come to mind to answer that question. Someone who's engaging engagement is where it's at because we, the audience, we have short attention spans these days. And if you don't grab people in that sort of opening 60 seconds, you've lost them. And there are lots of different engagement techniques you can do to keep people interested. People learn and they listen and take on information in different ways. So some people are very visual. So if you've got slides up there, you know, even asking questions to um, sort of get participation from the audience, you can put your hand up and say, let's see a show of hands. Who here has done X, Y, Z? And then if you're putting your hand up, people watch that. And then they're more Mm. inclined to put their hand up. Or you might say, turn to the person next to you and and talk about this. Uh, Moving around the stage with, you know, a variety of visual aids, perhaps some worksheets on the table. That's going to keep people interested. And then above everything, the second part of that answer is storytelling. People are 22 times more likely to remember a fact if it's wrapped around a story. And so the best public speakers, you think about it, Jen, like um, Elizabeth Gilbert, Brene Brown, they literally just get up there and tell stories. And that's what people remember. And I think if you can inject, whether you've got a 10-minute presentation or an hour keynote, if you can inject two to three stories in your presentation, you're going to be a lot more engaging compared to someone who who doesn't use stories. It makes it so much more powerful, doesn't it? Just to to have those stories. And I know when,
0: oh, when you go to conferences sometimes and you see some people who stand up and they just have a presentation, and it's just you're like, no, please make it fun. Because I think as well, our attention spans are so short now as well that you need those those bursts and those stories to to keep you going when you're following through with that presentation as well.
1: Absolutely. I think we've got social media to blame for our short attention spans and the, the high um, sort of occurrence videos, you know, they're, they're shorter and shorter. The seven second reel now is the most engaging type of uh, duration for a video. It's been 60 seconds, it's too long. And I yeah. think it's the st- with the speakers if you don't grab them straight away through storytelling through transformational stories before and afters all that sort of thing then you've lost your audience and that first 60 seconds is crucial because people are going to either love you or hate you and make a decision on whether they love or hate you in that first minute and so that's why i often tell my clients memorize that first 60 seconds Because once you've got that over and done with, you're often more relaxed and the rest will flow, but also that's your opportunity to really grab your audience. And so if you've memorized the content, you can really focus on other things such as your pitch and tone, injecting some pauses, your body language, some funny stories you might want to open up with, all that other sort of thing can come a lot more natural to you um, if you know your content just for that first 60 seconds, it's really important. That's actually such a a good point because you do see,
0: and you do see as well when you see people giving presentations that some people do really work on the first 60 seconds where then there's other people who are kind of fumbling around and feeling really nervous and maybe telling a bad joke. (laughs) You're like, I have to listen for the next hour.
1: (laughs) I know, I know. And it's awful. Like the audience is on your side. The audience is there. They've come with an open mind to be inspired educated motivated they want to go on a a storytelling or a really engaging journey with you Um, and so yeah don't take that lightly people's absolute captive an audience who's just there listening to you it's a really special and privileged opportunity that you have you don't want to waste it by boring them and have them tuned out and instead thinking about what they're doing on the weekend or maybe scrolling their phone that's that's complete waste for everyone
0: Absolutely. And so the the first 60 seconds are, are key. But what are some of the the common mistakes that you're seeing that people are making when they're delivering their presentations that maybe they, they could work on improving?
1: Yeah. So I think it's really coming down to the planning, thinking, first of all, your aim. So what do you want people to think, feel, or do as a result of seeing you speak? And I will often do this little plan, whether I've got 10 minutes warning or I've got 10 months warning, I'll sit down and I think, what am I trying to get them to do? And when I've done that, I will work out who my key audience is. So you might be speaking to a large group, a conference, for example, of 5,000 delegates. It's really important that you pinpoint exactly who your main audience member is because what you would say to maybe some university students would be different to what you're saying to perhaps someone in their 60s, 70s, for example, looking at retiring. Uh, And so your messaging there will be different. So once you've worked out your aim, your audience, it's really important that you really prioritise your top three messages. And I say top three, I used to say three to five, and now I say one to three because of our attention spans. People won't remember anything more than that. And so it's really important to really go A, B, and C in my top three messages. People often will make the mistake of, of having too many messages. And a lot of academics do this. Really intelligent people have so much information in their head but the audience, it'll be lost on if you try and deliver 10 messages, even if they're all amazing messages. So you need to go, okay, what's my number one takeaway? It's when people leave the room particularly if you're one of many speakers at a conference right we've all been there you get to the end of the day and you think i can't even remember what jen spoke about she was first up so you want to leave your audience with absolutely no choice but to know what your number one call to action is your number one takeaway and that might be in the form of a story people remember those stories those anecdotes those pretty cool statistics all that sort of thing that might be your focus And so I think I I went to a talk the other day and it was something like 60% of Australian women are burnt out And like, that was pretty incredible. I'm like, wow, that's pretty high. And so those types of things is what I, that's all I remember from that presentation. And then the flow on actions as a result of that, because, you know, I'd be in that 60% probably um, at some stage and then what we do about that. So it's really a matter of planning out your messaging. And I think people don't often do that. Uh, And then also preparing for questions. If you are speaking, you know, there are going to be audience questions, really preparing for The who, what, when, where, why, and how, because that's what everyone wants to know. So you wanna have that in the content of your speech as well as the answers that you have to be prepared for from the audience to ask questions. And also ask yourself those left field, nasty, tricky questions that maybe you don't know the answer to, and then have a response prepared. So if you're prepared for the worst, and that can also include the worst nightmare, you fall over on stage, you forget your train of, you lose your train of thought, you forget your words, um, the, the power goes off, your microphone stops working. If you're prepared mentally as well as Physically and having a plan on what you would do, it's really going to be a breeze because yeah. that's not going to happen. The worst, your worst nightmare. But if it does, you're prepared for it. And it gets easier every
0: time as well, doesn't it? That the, the first couple of times you do it, it gets, it, it feels really stressful. And I've seen this even with some of our members who have come to me and said, Oh, you know, I feel really nervous about speaking. And then you see maybe six months on They've done maybe 10 presentations after then, and they're like, this is great. I love this. I love speaking at conferences. And when you get into the habit of doing it and you realize, okay, maybe the power is not going to work. Maybe my presentation isn't going to show. Maybe the mic is going to break. The audience is understanding. As you said, the audience is totally on your, your side as well.
1: Mm. The only thing they don't like is, and we've all been there when the speaker has become flustered or said, I'm so sorry, I'm nervous or, oh, this is terrible. And that makes you feel uncomfortable sitting in the audience. So if you can laugh it off, you know, make a joke, the audience relaxes, they can see you're relaxed and it's a really great sort of exit strategy uh, in that situation.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's, I mean, that that's, I, I just love it when you see people when they finally crack it, and they have their their confidence when it comes to presentations. But then on the other side, the thing that frustrates me is when you hear people say that they're just going to wing it, they're like, Oh, I don't need to prepare, I'm just going to turn up and wing it. And you're like, when you wing it, it just takes your, you're not going to be precise with your information. You're not going to be precise with your messaging and your audience notices. People notice Absolutely. when you turn up yeah. and wing it.
1: I think that, I mean, sometimes people I've heard say I'll oh, wing it. And that's because they're just saying that and they're actually just, you know, trying to be cool.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. true.
1: But yeah, The people, people I know that have said that, but I think also you really need to research who's in the room and research what they've been told about your presentation so what email has gone out um what's been advertised about your speech are you going to meet that mark and i actually one day i'll never do it again but i was speaking for an international cut was for boeing actually and um they they someone asked me to speak and I, i said sure what do you want me to speak about and literally from the moment they asked me to when they I got there, the brief had changed, right? They didn't tell me and they said, oh, we just want you to speak about your career. I'm like, sure. Ne- I never touched base with them again and I never asked them, you know, what, what have you sent out to your staff or anything like that? Got there, talked about my career and I kind of noticed the audience a little bit confused, like looking a little bit confused and it got to the end And someone put their hand up and said, well, given the fact you're here to talk about gender inequality in the military, when have you been treated badly as a woman? I said, oh, I haven't. Anyway, long story short, the story, the, the brief had just kind of like Chinese whispers developed into something completely different. And they were told that I was there to talk about gender inequality in the Australian military. And that was unbeknownst to me. I just was talking about my fun career and um, I went to a party a couple of days later and there was someone, a a Boeing pilot or something I met. And he said, Oh, I felt so sorry for you. You obviously didn't get told what the brief was
0: (laughs) anyway. I'll never do it
1: again. So I'm kind of glad that happened to me because now I tell other people Make sure you have a look at the email that's gone out. I know it sounds so basic, but you want to make sure that your content is meeting the mark exactly for what's been advertised.
0: Yeah. And I, I think you you become more confident with that as you you do more and more presentations as well, that you, you get used to asking those questions because I've had the same thing Happen as well, or you know, you agree to speak on one topic or you agree to be on a panel for something, and then all of a sudden that completely changes and you're speaking about something completely different. And we've actually started to put in boundaries on that and say, Look, it's agreed that we're speaking about this, it's agreed that these are the people that are on the panel. If you're going to change it, we might withdraw from speaking on the panel, because it's really uncomfortable. I had that happen last year that I agreed to speak on one thing. And then I think 24 hours beforehand, I was speaking on something completely different. And it just makes you feel really uncomfortable as well and puts you into a situation where you're not going to be in your best form either if it's not something which is your zone of genius either.
1: So true. Yeah. I'm sorry that happened to you, but um, it's good that they did. So you now kind of know what to look out for in the future.
0: Well, and it's, I I guess as you get more experienced, it's just setting those boundaries, right. And being really clear about what you're going to speak about, what it's going to look like. Um, And a lot of times people don't think about asking those questions, do they?
1: No, no, absolutely not. But when yeah, the wrong thing happens, then you do. Exactly. Yeah, now we have it. Now we have a template and a checklist. <laughs> yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> Everything needs a checklist in Jen's world. I like to plan and then it's okay. Yeah. Know, hmm, can we put together a speaking checklist
1: for this? Why not? <laughs> yeah absolutely good idea <laughs>
0: but do you know it's even things as well like i've been saying to members things like um and i've noticed this because we have a lot of people speak at our female fusion events as well the number of people who want to speak but don't even have simple things like uh, biographies or profiles i'm like how can you present yourself for speaking if you haven't actually told people who you are and what you do <laughs>
1: Oh, wow. I mean, at the very least, I, I have my own PR club membership and I was telling all the members the other day, just put together a media kit. I mean, even to come onto your podcast today, dealing with your assistant, I sent my media kit and it's literally just a Google drive folder. It's got low res, high res photos. It's got a short and a long bio and it's just a shareable Google drive link that I can send people um, because they always want to know your bio and all that sort of thing. So yeah, if you're putting yourself out there as a speaker, I would say at the very Least have some sort of bio and media kits, even better.
0: Yeah, you made Candace so happy with that, I'm <laughs> sure. <laughs>
1: She doesn't chase Even- me to reply to the email because I'm terrible with my <laughs> inbox. That's one thing I need to outsource. But um, I did have the media kit as a shareable link for her yeah. eventually.
0: <laughs> but that's, I mean, that that's so essential, right? If you're speaking or if you're being on podcasts that you do need to have that that information. And I still find it really interesting the number of people that don't have that
1: yeah i know and even um their little things just putting the word speaker in your bio it just is such a great thing to do not only because you're putting it out into the universe that you are a speaker they might think about you for next time but when people go researching your name you want it to come up that you're a speaker because you know they're making a decision as to whether to lock you in or not and if you can present yourself in the most professional way it'll just be so much better
0: totally um Let's talk about getting paid to speak, because I think this is something that a lot of people are really interested in about how they can do or how they can get paid more money to speak. Um, it's really interesting how you you went in with that crazy price, um, $30,000, and they ended up paying you for that. How... How have you changed the way that you position yourself now as as a speaker, going from five hundred dollars for a session to to thirty thousand?
1: Yeah, so um, I guess after that thirty thousand dollar gig, I then made a personal decision to never do anything for less than ten thousand, and you know for most of last year that was my rule, and. You know, I, it, sometimes I dip a little bit, they'd say, oh, our budget's 8,000, but I just made a decision that I'm not going to, particularly because I live two hours each way from a capital city where all the speaking gigs are. So I have, it's a four hour round trip, a bit more plus parking and, and it wipes you out the next day after you do a big keynote, you're prepping. So it's essentially three days, right? So even though it sounds like 10,000 for a 45 minute gig, it's really at least three full days where you're zapped of energy and you can't do anything else. So people need to take that into account. Um, So I just made that decision and that's my ballpark figure now that I, that I sort of say what I am. However, recently, I've come to this realization that, you know, there's two types of speakers. There are the platform speakers, which is where you speak for free in exchange for literally having a platform in front of your ideal customers. Then there's the Mm -hmm. keynote speakers where you just charge a flat rate. You can't pitch necessarily your services, your coaching, your courses, your membership, your books, um, but you're just getting paid that one fee to entertain an audience. As a platform speaker, I'm actually finding I'm walking off the stage with more money than I would if I charged for a flat rate speaking gig lately. So even in my course launch, I, you know, I did, a, I did a really easy local gig just down the road from my house and I had to speak for 45 minutes. I did it for free and I literally made $9,000 in course sales. It was two hours out of my night. I was, uh, you know, I left my office here at 6. I was home by 8 p.m., two hours, nine grand, 9,000 Australian, so 6,000 U.S. Um, approximately. And it, in that case, if I had have charged them to speak locally too, it probably would have been a 1,000, maybe 2,000 uh, for a local small not-for-profit event. They're a women's networking group. And I made 9,000 by just being able to pitch and be in front of my ideal customer. So it was so worth it.
0: And it's interesting as well that, you know, looking at it, that you can get paid to speak in a couple of ways where either they're going to pay you or that you have that opportunity to pitch or be in front of your ideal audience that sometimes you don't even have to do much of a pitch if your presentation is so good that everybody's like, how can I work with you? How can I join your course? How can I join your membership? (laughs)
1: Yeah, and people underestimate that actually, Jen, because people are going to fall in love with you. People will resonate with you just because of the way you come across. So at the very least, I encourage people to set up a coaching page. Just so I've got a jamieabbott.com.au forward slash coaching. So and it happens. I'll speak inside someone's mastermind or I'll usually speak on stage or it might just be an online thing and they'll say, I want, I want to have a session with you. How can I do it? And it doesn't matter whether you are an official coach. Or if they just want yeah. to rack your brain, you and I were chatting about this backstage before we we hit record today. Um, we we consider—I don't consider myself a coach—but people just want access to your brain exclusively for an hour, so they can just shortcut all the courses and all the years of experience and just go straight to the good bits of your brain because you have built up that knowledge and that experience and made those mistakes particularly women I'm so passionate about that we always undersell ourselves Jen we always we've made the mistakes especially being a mum now I realize gosh we've had all those sacrifices those sleepless nights trying to juggle trying to breastfeed while running a business Um, even before I had kids we are doing work experience we're making mistakes we're spending money we're studying Don't give away all that built-up knowledge for free. And so uh, I'm very, very passionate about that. And so when people see you speak, they are going to want more from you and have something ready to give them. And that could just be a quick coaching session.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's, you know, having that ready as well to be able to say, yeah, you know, here's my website address. Or One of the things um, that my team did recently is they went and got some A5 flyers printed up um, so when we're at an event that it will be like specific about the event and it will have a special link on it. So then they can track and see if it's coming from that event. And it just costs like maybe $50 or something to get them printed up at the local printer. But it just looks a little bit nicer. And they're like, oh, yay, you want more information? Here you go. Um, and I found that that's actually really, really useful as well to be able to do that because you might not necessarily get paid, but you're going to get other people paying you for your services so it works out. It works out in the end.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And just on that the coaching thing as well, I remember I was charging, I think it was $3.99 an hour, $3.99 Australian an hour. And so what's that? $2.99 US? Yeah, not a lot. Yeah. And so then I was getting crickets. I had no bookings at all. And now I'm $8.99 Australian, so 600 US and I'm booked out well I've got three sessions a week and so it's definitely a perception thing and I spoke to a client I had last week he just booked me cold he just went to my website and booked me cold and um, he I said to him because I was giving him advice on how much he should charge as, as a speaker and as a coach and I had this discussion with him and he said, if you were three ninety-nine Australian for the hour, I wouldn't have booked you because I would have thought, What's wrong with her? She's too cheap. Is she just starting out? And so yeah. it's so interesting, like the more you charge the more people perceive you as being that premium sort of service and um, it works. If you can back it up and you can get people results, because for me for 899 Australian, 600 us I'm going to give them advice. That's potentially going to make them a lot more money than that. And totally. so the return on investment is there. It's like I've invested in coaches at 2000 Australian an hour, a thousand us an hour the other day, because I know the return on investment is going to be there. And so yeah, I wasn't um, sort of put off by that price because I know if I follow what advice they give me, it's going to pay off.
0: But, you know, this is where, as women, we need to stand in our power with this. Mm. And especially when it comes to pricing, I learned that very early on when, um, when I was at uh, my first company. And this was like 20 years ago. And I thought at first, I'm like, okay, I have this training business. I'm going to fill up my courses and I'm going to make it cheap. And I think it was like 150 pounds for a day or something because I thought, you know, everybody's going to come cuz my courses are so amazing. And I barely had anybody book. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to be the most expensive because I believe that what I have is the best on the market. So all of a sudden, I I I then started charging like I think 700 pounds for a session and like and this was for a group course this wasn't one-on-one this was like coming to a training center and doing training and we were sold out we were totally booked out <laughs> and all of a sudden I was like oh it was because they thought that it was cheap that it, it was crap
1: but yeah. you know all of a
0: sudden it's the same stuff and this is where us as women really need to stand in our power and go no it needs to be it needs to be more expensive Mm. i'm worth it yeah
1: yeah absolutely not- and it's the same as a speaker i think there's a perceived value in having a ten thousand dollar keynote speaker as opposed to someone for 500 so i think it's very, very similar
0: yeah and um, so somebody if they want to get more into paid speaking how do they go about doing that because i think um You know, you think, oh, it'd be great to go and have um, paid speaking gigs. But I think a lot of people are like, I wouldn't even know where to start.
1: Yeah. So there's lots of what I call low hanging fruit. And so you can do things like a hashtag search and search on the hashtag call for speakers, speakers wanted um conference speakers leadership speakers wanted and you can find things on instagram facebook and linkedin with that hashtag search alone and you get a lot of corporate opportunities with linkedin i've got some big gigs actually uh, from doing this hashtag search and there might be virtual events online there might be overseas events i went and spoke in toronto canada and that was through a hashtag search that i found for the world pr forum yeah and what's there today may not have been there yesterday. So it's really great to get into the habit of checking these things. I also go onto Google and I'll type in call for speakers, Sydney, call for speakers, London. I'm going to London in a couple of weeks and I did this exact process. I went onto Google and I typed in, conference speakers London wanted. And then i got all the different uh, events that are on while I'm there and I pitched them as a speaker. And um, you know, it, people don't know how easy it is. And you, then you'll get all these different conferences coming up that'll come up on Google. And yeah, sure they might've locked their speakers in but you can always pitch to them anyway because speakers always fall over at the last minute or literally they might get COVID or something and, and all, anything can happen, life gets in the way. And the organizers need backup speakers. So by simply pitching yourself, you have that opportunity and you're getting front of mind for the organizer. Failing that, if it's an annual event, they'll keep you in mind for next year when they're finalizing their speaker lineup, which they often do even before the this year's conference has begun because they want to promote next year's, they'll start locking in speakers for next year. And so just from literally researching and pitching yourself, just putting yourself forward, that's how you're going to get gigs. And the ones in my paid-to-speak course, we've had three rounds now, the ones who are getting the gigs, the seriously, Jen, the main difference is they're actually pitching. They are falling yeah. into hands at the right place at the right time from even EAs who are looking, who have been given a task to find a speaker for an upcoming strategic planning day or an upcoming corporate event, conference. You fall into their lap, they've hit the jackpot, and it's just because you've pitched to them and then the other person hasn't. And so really, that's the main difference. It's easier than you think. There are more speaking opportunities out there than there are speakers. I truly believe that.
0: And I think it's also getting over the, the fear, isn't it? Of Because um, I think a lot of people hope that people are going to come to them and come to them with opportunities and wouldn't instinctively think about doing that pitch and pitching themselves as, as a speaker or going on to Google and finding those opportunities. Because I hear from a lot of people that they're like, I should really get paid for this. I'm speaking for free all the time. Um, Why is it it's so unfair?
1: Oh, I know. And then we women do it too much. And it's annoying because you get off the stage and you think, oh, the organizer has made money from me being a draw card. I think so many of us entrepreneurs have been in that situation. And we do too, we fall into that trap, Jen, of, of thinking oh, it's great exposure, it's a great opportunity, it's great publicity, but you can't keep doing that for free, particularly when an organiser of a conference is charging a couple of thousand dollars uh, per head as a delegate conference yeah. fee, and they're using you as a draw card. So you should be charging accordingly for that, and we're often too scared to miss out on the opportunity. or with, And then often if you do it for free, you're not even allowed to pitch anyway, so you might as well be charging rather than just giving your knowledge away because there has to come a point And I just shake my head when I think of all the years of free speaking gigs that I did because it was free publicity, a good opportunity for exposure, all that sort of thing. And I've missed out on tens of thousands of dollars when I think back of all the events that I've done for free when I should have charged. It's
0: funny, and I think that's going to resonate with so many entrepreneurs because this is what entrepreneurs do, right? They're like, oh, okay, yeah, you want me to speak? Sure, I'll speak at this event. I'll be on this panel. I'll do that because it will give me the exposure. And sometimes it does, but sometimes you're asked to speak about things that aren't even your target audience. And so for things like that, if it's not your target audience, you need to be like Jamie and say I'm not getting out of bed unless it's $10,000. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I sound like a diva, a supermodel diva. But, I mean, even the other day I spoke for um, a a group of doctors that were public servant doctors and nurses in a public hospital. They're never necessarily going to be my clients. Like they're not going to join paid to speak or they don't run their own businesses to join PR club. So I'm not going to do that. For a minimal cost in fact it's a low it was a local event i think i charged four thousand, um and that was that's good because it was i was literally in and out in an hour 45 minutes um and it's just down the road from me the hospital but that's where i should be charging i'm not going to do that for yeah free because there's no values no return on investment they're not going to join my they, they might perhaps look at doing private client coaching down the track but not that often Not as often as entrepreneurs, which are really my ideal customer. Yeah.
0: And that's, I I guess that's where as entrepreneurs and business owners, everybody's going to need to take the decision on that. But it is important that we stop giving away so much for free after all of that time that we've invested in building ourselves and building our businesses.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And as I said, women are the worst for it. We really are. Um, whereas men seem to, like my male clients charge, once you tell them, I I, I probably have mostly, it might be about, I have to do the the stats, but I would say in my PR clubs, at least 60% would be men. And once you tell them, you say to them, you should be charging this, they go and do it. Whereas the women go, oh yeah, but you know, they're not for profit or that, you know, I've worked with them before. I've got a long relationship with them or they've got my ideal customers in there. And then I'm like, well, do they really? Because if they do and you know, you're going to get work naturally as a platform speaker, do it. But if you keep doing this for the free exposure and it's not sort of equating into dollars earned, then you need to charge a speaker fee. And it's funny, it's a perception thing. When you start charging a speaker fee, people treat you a lot more seriously as a professional speaker.
0: And free doesn't pay the bills.
1: No, no. And
0: we need to stop doing stuff for free and Mm. or cheap. And it also elevates the type of people that you're working with as well. I find that when you put a dollar amount or price on that, that all of a sudden it elevates the sorts of people who want to work with you as well. And I find that they're they're nicer and easier to work with, less complaining, less, you know, being difficult, <laughs> that they really value the, the knowledge and the expertise that you bring to the table as well.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. And I even think about it as myself. When I book someone, if I've paid and we've invested in them as a speaker, it just... Yeah, you just feel like it's a lot more valuable. I don't know. Yeah. If they came for free, I think, well, gosh, why would they do it for free? Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's definitely a perception, premium perception thing for sure. Mm.
0: Mm. And we need to, yeah, we need to start putting a, a dollar amount on that. Um, mm. If somebody, um, so you were saying that people could Google Are there any other sort of resources or tools or platforms that you could recommend that if somebody wants to get more into being paid, that they could they could look to to find that information?
1: Absolutely. So a couple of things that I use. Um, so I will just cold pitch and I'll get decision makers direct emails through LinkedIn. So let's just say I want someone from Boeing, you know, the, the airline company. Um, I'm not airline, but uh, they build planes, Boeing, yeah. and they make planes. I would go onto LinkedIn, type in maybe training manager, Boeing get the names of people there and then I'll use different extensions such as there's a an extension I use called hunter.io and it's a Chrome extension where you literally just go on to say Boeing's website, you open up the extension and you can type in anyone's name that works then or give you their email address. So it's a great strategy to reach decision makers and I'm cold pitching myself all the time to big corporate companies. Um, You can also expect to get rejected. So I get one yes to about 399 no's. So one in 400 (laughs) say yes. Uh, And I think it's really important to say that because you need to get used to the, it's not necessarily a no, it's just you don't hear anything back. Um, But I've scored three big corporate clients this year, either as a speaker or running workshops for staff uh, that have been very, very lucrative through that exact process. And I've got a little proposal, template that i actually give people this in uh, pr club and my paid to speak course it's just a template which you can make your own and you just pdf it on canva and send it to, co- to clients to pitch yourself and you can Put all your topics in there, your AV requirements, some testimonials, all that sort of thing. So just literally pitching all the time. Being a podcast guest is, an also, is also a great way to elevate your exposure as a speaker. Uh, and then other things. So speaker bureaus. So I think there's a definite place for them. So that every country has different speaker bureaus and they are like an agency where corporate clients will go to select you as a speaker. And if you go to any of them, In Australia, one of the largest ones is Saxton Speaker Bureau, for example. You go to their website and they'll have them all categorized. So inspirational speakers, sports speakers, leadership speakers. There might even be specialty um, topics such as domestic violence campaigners, all that sort of thing. And corporates will go there and they'll book you as a speaker. Uh, they, They do take a fair, generous commission. I've heard even up to 40%, 40%, which is yeah. incredible. But if you're getting a $10,000 speaking gig, you might be happy with giving them 4,000 for a gig that you wouldn't otherwise get. So I definitely recommend that as part of the strategy to be a paid speaker. And then failing all that, just offering advice. So connecting with groups on Facebook where I'm in so many groups for entrepreneurs, small business owners, people are always asking questions And then I'll often respond with, here's a blog I wrote on this topic, or here's a video I recorded on this topic. People then check me out and go, she's actually going to be a great speaker. Uh, She's actually a great person in this area that I want to get into my workplace to deliver a talk on. And so don't underestimate the power of just providing value. And obviously you're not selling yourself. You're not pitching in those groups, but you are just being helpful, providing value. And that's how I actually get a lot of speaking gigs as well. Uh, because and you, you're top of mind, right? That, that's the Absolutely. thing I say to
0: people, like, don't sell because if you're good, it's going to sell itself. You don't need to sell because people are going to come to you because you've built up that reputation of being so good.
1: So true. I mean, and also just consistency. So being talking about being front of mind, Jen, I'm always on Instagram five times a week, I'll do a story and I'm just literally documenting in the moment what I'm doing. People love this stuff. So, for example, I might get off this podcast and I'll do a quick story. I just hold my phone up and I literally document in the moment what I'm doing. So I'll say, just had a huge day. I did three podcasts because I did three. This is my third one today, podcast interviews, because that's how much value I place in them. I love being on someone else's podcast. Then I'll say, I went to the gym today, a big day tomorrow. I'm just going to head home now and cook some beautiful lasagna. Hope you have a great night. People love that non-scripted natural behind the scenes content i can't stress enough and people hold back and so i can tell you now i've had like i haven't even got to my instagram messages but i've had a quick glance there's about three speaking requests there in my instagram messages just from today by sharing photos sharing videos i did a reel before offering value it comes back your way if you're always putting yourself out there people are thinking about you first when they need a speaker and uh, it really works but consistency is key i know it sounds boring but it doesn't take that long couple of months of you showing up daily doing a reel sharing a carousel doing a blog doing a story a couple of months of doing that consistently and you will get inquiries through whether it be for your coaching whether it be for you as a speaker or whether it be to employ you in your business whatever you do it definitely works
0: And, gosh, consistency is the name of the game for everything. And I find it really interesting when I talk to people and they say, oh, you know, business isn't going so well. And the first thing I ask is, you know, are you being consistent? Like, are you being in everything you do in your business, including your marketing? And a lot of times they're not. They're like, oh, yeah, I've not done that. Well... If you're not showing up, if you're not being consistent, it's hard for that business to flow in because you're not top of mind with people, which is why those people who have really cracked that are so great at um, generating the business and growing their profile because of that.
1: Yeah, I will um, sort of prioritize a three hour batching content creation session I'll, I'll prioritize that over anything. I'll prioritize that over a paid coaching client because I know by me doing three hours of content creation, that's going to allow me to reach more people. And eventually it's going to make me scale and get more clients into my memberships, my courses and all that sort of thing. So, um, yeah, definitely helps by, by putting yourself out there in any way, shape or form online. And I have to say as well that people need to check out your social media. Your Reels game is always on point.
0: You are fantastic at creating videos and Reels. It must be the TV journalist in, in you as well. Uh, but you have fantastic Reels that you put together. So if people are looking for inspiration, they need to check out Jamie on, on Instagram as well.
1: Oh, thank you. I try. It's so inconsistent with the uh, views, though. Do you know I did one the other day and it had 18,000 views and then wow. I did one yesterday and it had 200 views. <laughs> so I guess that's the whole idea, right? We don't know what the algorithm is as to why some just really go viral and others don't. But I just keep plugging away and I don't get deterred if one only has 200 because that's still 200 sets of eyes on my content. Imagine if that was in person, even if you had 20, 30 people looking at your content. Imagine that in real life. And so I always say to my clients, don't be deterred by low numbers because they're human beings watching your stuff as a captive audience member. That's very, very powerful.
0: Absolutely. And it's, again, just showing up, right? You Mm -hmm. just need to show up consistently because then people aren't going to forget about you. You're not going to be the world's best kept secret.
1: So true. So true. I love it. You've just given me a reminder that I need to uh, go and do an Instagram story as soon as we get off here. <laughs> <laughs> um, you
0: are off to London in a couple of weeks, and I'm so gutted that I'm going to miss you because, well, we saw each other in Australia last month, but um, tell me what you're doing in Aust- or what you're doing in London.
1: Yeah. So I'm putting a workshop on teaching people how to get paid to speak. So on the 21st of August, I am running a three hour session at the Reform Club uh, in in London, the heart of London there. And uh, it's basically to teach anyone who is thinking about becoming a paid speaker, how to do it. So you're going to learn how to put together your speaker toolkit. You will learn how to find paid speaking gigs and then how to pitch yourself. There's a stack of bonuses too, but you'll learn how much to charge, what to do when the client says that you're out of their budget and they have no speaker budget. Uh, All the things you can ask for in exchange of that, how to promote yourself, how to get into speaker bureaus. It's very UK focused, this particular workshop, and uh, I can't wait It's limited to just 10 people too. So it's a nice intimate room and a nice intimate group where you'll have lots of one-on-one time with me. We'll do some role-playing. We'll really niche down on what your speaking topics are to make sure that they are sellable uh, topics. And um, I just can't wait. I'm so excited. So yeah, 21st of August, we'll be kicking off.
0: Amazing. Well, we'll put that on uh, Female Fusion as well, because we do have a lot of members in the UK and we have a lot of members from around the world who travel to the UK for the summer as well. So I'm sure you're going to have lots of people that will be interested in coming to that as well. So, Jenny, after this, you've got the event in um, in London. What's next for you? Are you working on any other projects or anything big coming up for you?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I've got my PR club launch. So my PR club's my signature membership, which is, it's open all the time. We're doing a really big campaign at the moment because, uh, yeah, it's just fabulous. So that people get access to me every month where I do a masterclass on everything from LinkedIn to writing your own press releases, to scoring corporate clients, to marketing yourself on and off social media, podcasting, awards, all that sort of thing. And also I have my paid to speak call which i open the doors to twice a year and november this year it's kicking off again you can join the wait list it's paid to and uh yeah looking forward to the next cohort coming through because the results people have got from the last three courses we've run have just been incredible and um i can't wait to see what uh, the future alumni are able to um to achieve amazing
0: well thank you so much for sharing all of this information and really giving people the confidence that they can charge for all of that knowledge that they hold within them. And I hope that I'm going to see more people being inspired to put a dollar price on them speaking and valuing all of the knowledge that they have. Thank you so much, Jamie, for your time today.
1: Thank you, Jen. It's been great. And thank you so much for the opportunity.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the podcast. If you'd like to join our membership, the doors are currently closed, but if you put your name onto the wait list, you'll be the first to know when we're accepting members again. If you're a female entrepreneur, this is the best place for you to connect with other female business owners and work on starting, building, growing, or scaling your business. You can find out more information in the show notes or on femalefusionnetworkcom forward slash join.